On first down, the handoff to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10. He's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT, and he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. Welcome back to another edition of the Bring the Juice podcast. On with me, special guest, Jack Borowski. Jack, how are you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Cody. Absolutely. And before we kind of dive into this episode, Jack, why don't you kind of give our listeners a little bit of background on who you are um, and, and kind of just what you do here on you know on Twitter. You, you mentioned you do some podcasts and stuff. So just give our listeners a little bit of insight into kind of who you are and what you, what you do uh, with the NFL College World. Yeah, so I run two podcasts. I do one called Inside the Gridiron, where I interview NFL players and people on the business side of sports. So for Colts fans, I recently had Kenny Moore on. And then kind of where I got involved in the draft over the summer, I felt that, you know what, there's a good understanding of a lot of NFL players, but there isn't a ton of knowledge on these college players going into the season. I think at this point, when you think of the likes of the top tier players and really the majority of the draft, everyone kind of knows who they are. But leading up to the college football season, there isn't really a ton of information on that. So I decided, heck, I want to start an interview podcast interviewing collegiate players. So that's how I hmm. got started doing that. So I think we're my partner, Brian, and I were up to about 130 or so episodes. And it's just a lot of fun to get a good understanding of draft guys. You get a unique perspective into the different collegiate athletes we have at the football level. Yeah. Who's been kind of your, I know you have a lot of interviews that you've done. Who's been kind of your favorite interview out of all the guys or one of your favorite interviews? So I think, so my favorite, I would say, like we've done Alabama's and LSU's and Clemson's, but I love the small school guys, especially early on so back in july so now everyone knows who kyle duggar is he's going to be most likely a date the second round pick at worst we were we reached out to him in early july we watched his film and we thought he'd be a superstar and i think like him jeremy chin we had on i think july or august and getting those guys early on it's a pretty cool thing when you think about it where they've grown like they were a D2 and FCS player in July, and now they're going to be first or second round picks, and it's really cool that way. I think another small school kid who I loved over the phone, Ben Barch, was one of the best interviews, such a unique story, and how I know he's famous now for those shakes and just hearing about how he gained so much weight from going from like a tight end at 230 pounds to now being a legit offensive tackle. So I think the smaller school guys, it's really cool to hear their stories. And especially early on when we think they could be draft prospects, but you never really know. And then it's really cool. You see them at the senior bowl and the combine 
and just their overall progression to where they're at today. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of small school guys, another guy that, that the Colts, you know, Colts fans can relate to Darius Leonard, uh, a guy that came out of a small school, didn't really know a whole lot about him. Uh, but man, he's the guy that just has turned it up. Um, I'm not sure how much you got to like, if you got to talk to Darius Leonard or anything like that, but um, it's just super cool, man. Like you're saying to, to see some of these small school guys just kind of come out of nowhere really. And, uh, just make huge impacts and, and see their draft stock rising. It's just, it's so cool. But um, so we're going back relating now to the Colts draft, obviously the draft coming up here in a little over 20 days. Unless the NFL, which doesn't look like right now they're going to, uh, but I kind of want to run through a few of the Colts picks here. Um, kind of have your opinion on some of those guys who you think, in the draft could be some realistic possibilities for the Colts. Obviously the Colts have made some moves um, in free agency, which would signal what some of the positions are ideally that we think they will try to address in the draft. Uh, but we'll start here with the first pick they have. Obviously they traded to force for DeForest Buckner, gave away number 13. So they don't have a first round pick of this year. Uh, but as it stands right now, they have an early second round pick number 34. So that's second overall in the second round there. Uh, who are some guys that you think could be realistic targets for the Colts there at 34? Yeah, so just in general and thinking about the Colts and their strategy all along with Chris Ballard has been, we're going to build through the draft. We're going to build through the draft. And we saw, I think this is potentially the first offseason where we really saw him be really aggressive in free agency. And kind of from talking to people around the league, I think the coronavirus has had a huge effect on teams' draft strategies and decisions they're making with the lack of medicals for smaller school guys. We're going to see a lot of players who weren't invited to the combine really hurt. And just the overall idea of less OT, less everything, less OTAs, less training camp. We don't know what's going to happen. So you want sure things. And I think trading 13 to get to Forrest Buckner was, I mean, outside the DeAndre Hopkins trade, which is fantastic for Colts fans, outside of that, I think it was the best move to, because, you know, you're targeting Javon Kinlaw at 13. These guys aren't in the best shape right now. They're not training like they would normally be a month before the draft and getting ready for OTAs because you just can't. So I think that's where Ballard has won so far. I don't know if that was his strategy going in or he was going to be aggressive anyway but then taking it now you're at 34 and one of the biggest things that I've seen based off just looking at their roster games I watched from last season they need to address the wide receiver position and I look at four names Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager, LaVisca Chenault and Brandon Ayuk are the four guys that I think there, one's got to be there, and I think you got to draft one at 34. I know one of the things that the Colts will potentially need is, though they signed Xavier Rhodes and they did get rid of Pierre Desir, I think a cornerback could be another position they address. I just don't feel like guys with 32-inch arms, which is what Ballard wants, the, the right guy's going to be there. Obviously, Jeffrey Okuda, if he fell to 34, he'd be the guy but that's just not happening. And I think it's a reach for a guy like Michael Ojemudie or when you look at Bryce Hall. So I personally think at 34, 
looking at the Colts roster where you have T.Y. Hilton. I mean, Pascal was solid enough last year, but am I sitting there thinking him, Paris Campbell, I didn't love his film last season, didn't love his film in college, really felt that he was more of a, all right, we think he can be this if he, but his route running just wasn't there, especially coming from Ohio State, Brian Hartline is the guy. If you want Terry McLaurin, route runner. These guys who are fantastic route runners from Ohio State, it's because they've got that training. When you don't have that coming from a smaller school, we get that. But it was a little concerning coming from Ohio State. So I think this receiving court, when I look at the one position group that's a glaring need, I think it's receiver. And why I put it in the order of Mims, Rager, Chenault, and Ayuk. Mims, Ballard loves drafting senior bowl guys. You mentioned Darius Leonard. He, I think five out of the 10 draft picks from last season were all senior bowl players. So I think Mims, when I went to the senior bowl, got to watch him firsthand. He's different in comparison to the rest of the guys that were there. I mean, he just dominated the entire week. Ballard loves guys like that. He got to see him firsthand. There's a sure thing, no medical red flag. The issue I see, and I'd like your opinion on this, why I put him one and why I think he might be the biggest reach out of the group. I don't see him lasting to 34 personally at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that, especially with the signing of Phillip Rivers, the Colts are probably going to be looking to add a bigger body because as it stands right now, Zach Pascal is probably their biggest receiver and he's a little bit over six foot. Uh, So I would definitely think that the Colts, I, I would agree with you. I would say wide receiver is definitely up there. Um, for the offense, for sure. A lot of unknowns on our offense. You mentioned Paris Campbell, but Zach Pascal, T.Y. Hilton wasn't healthy last year, and he's up there in age. So there's a lot of question marks there. So, okay, so in this in this scenario that we're having, our little mock draft here, we're just going to do probably the second round for this one. But uh, so the Colts take a wide receiver there, let's say. What would be the next position at 44 that you think the Colts should look good draft? Yeah. <laughs> This is the part where at 44, I think that I keep bringing up the name Matt Pert. And Pert, for those who don't know, he was, or Parrot, he, UConn offensive tackle, longest arms in the entire draft class, right tackle from AAC guys. And this is where I'm doing the podcast. It helps a lot. I, you think number one offensive tackle AAC, Josh Jones. He's going to be a first round pick. Every defensive ed, edge rusher would say him as the toughest offensive tackle they went up against. And a lot of guys have told me Matt Hurt was the guy that they felt was the most difficult. And I get it. I watch this film, and he's so talented. And when I look at it, you're pick 44. I know their offensive line, is a, you could say, is set. And I know that they have other needs. But Ballard likes to build – Offensive line, defensive line, potentially moving Braden Smith into guard and putting Pert at right tackle. I know Glowinski wasn't that bad last season, but he's not the answer there at guard. And if you want to have potentially the best offensive line in the league, we've seen this in the past. How do you win games? It's really the offensive line is such an important aspect of things. And you look at all the teams who are making deep runs into the playoffs, they all have top tier offensive lines. 
Rivers is getting up there in age. We saw he couldn't do it with a bad offensive line. I know you have the pieces, but just thinking about building, I just keep bringing back to senior ball, really good character. I I don't know if that's the pick, but he's one of those guys who I think that they could take another one. Jalen Johnson, cornerback from Utah. I think he's a stud. He's a playmaker. He does take chances, which is something that will concern certain teams, but more often than not, he's right. And with Rocky Sid, Kenny Moore, in my opinion, is the best block cornerback in the NFL. Rocky Sid, I thought, came on second half of last season, played really well, had a few bumps in the road, but you're going to have that, obviously, as a rookie. Yeah, I don't see them addressing the defensive line. I think with Buckner there, adding him, I think they're set, as well as Sheldon Day in the offseason, both of them. Linebacker, I don't really know if there's anyone at that point. So I think it might just be where 44, I could see potentially a move, I would hope, up, because I think this is a year where a lot of teams are going to be trading up or trading in general. We're going to see, I believe, this year more trades than ever just because of the fact that when you look at those later rounds, you can't trust anyone because you haven't got them in for visits. You don't have medicals in the same way, especially smaller school guys. We talk about, I don't know if we're going to see more than five guys not invited to the combine who are drafted. Just because this coronavirus has changed a lot of things, you're going to want sure things. So better GM, what Ballard has already done, top-tier GM. He's gone out and he's addressed, all right, Buckner, he fits the need. We don't have to worry about this draft class and especially a pick at 13, which is really high. You get to 44, I think you take whoever best fits what you want for the future because I'm looking there. Theoretically, you can go receiver again if I use available at 44. I, I know that sounds crazy potentially to do. I you need wide receiver help. I think outside of Hilton, I don't love this receiving group. And like you mentioned, Hilton's getting up there in age. You're building for the future. Jalen Johnson, I think he could help that secondary. I, I think those Jalen Johnson or Matt Pert or potentially double dipping at receiver, or if you take a best player available at 34 or whatever, one position I would not draft in this year's draft class based off film I've watched and also the shortened off season that we're most likely going to see is quarterback. I think when you look at 34 and 44, if Jordan Love falls to either pick or if he's falling late in the first round, which if that means that I don't believe, or there's some concern that comes up that we on the outside don't know about with Jordan Love, and he's fallen to 28, 29, sure, trade up and get the quarterback of the future. But once you get past four, I don't think Eason's or a Fromm or players like that, especially on this Colts team, I don't feel it's the year to draft a quarterback because of what I've mentioned. Just I think Jalen Hurts, I don't see him moving the needle at all. I just don't love this quarterback class outside of the first four. Maybe an Anthony Gordon or Jake Lutton, who I love um, from Oregon State on day three. But right now, I think Hurt, another offensive tackle, maybe who they like more, or a cornerback, Jalen Johnson. I've heard Trevon Diggs 
has a chance to be the second or third cornerback off the board. I originally didn't think this, but from sources of inside the league have told me Diggs could be the second or third guy, depending on the team. And I think if he's gone, I think it's Pert, Jalen Johnson are the two guys. If Johnson's even there, I think it's one of those situations where it's kind of stuck in the mud. Like, what do we do? Because at 44, we're getting, we need that wide receiver. We're getting him. But where else do you address? And I think being you're the Colts insider, where, where would you like for them to go at 44? Just say the address the receiver position at 34. Yeah. Um, one thing that I know that the Colts desperately need, uh, I don't know if there's going to be anybody that you would really value there, but I know they need to address a tight end position. So either they're at 44 or if they are at 75 there, um, if there's a guy that you like, you know, I like the guy to Notre Dame a lot, Cole Komet, uh, maybe Bryson Hopkins in the third round. There, there's some tight ends, but I think overall what you need is you need a vertical threat type of tight end because you have Jack Doyle, who I'm a big fan of Jack Doyle personally, but he's not a guy that's going to take the top off the defense. He's a solid run blocker. He's just a solid overall player, I would say, but he's not a guy that's going to scare you at night if you're a defensive coordinator and so I think the Colts need to get a wide a receiving type of tight end. We saw that with Philip Rivers and Hunter Henry. Uh, I think they just need to get a similar type tight end there. Kind of have him in that Eric Ebron role, um, red zone threat type of guy. Not a guy that you ask to get in there and block a lot. Uh, that's what I think they need to do. I if they take a receiver. And I, I agree. I don't think you take a quarterback in the second round unless one of those guys is majorly, majorly sliding. Uh, but – you know, some of the moves that the Colts have made recently, signing Philip Rivers, signing Xavier Rhodes, you know, trading for DeForest Buckmer, to me, these moves signal that the Colts think they're ready to win now and ready to compete now. So if I am if I'm putting myself in the mindset of Chris Ballard, I'm probably trying to do everything I can to build around Philip Rivers for this year and then addressing the quarterback next year. Um, that's just kind of my take on it. That's kind of what I, the vibes I have gotten from it. And again, if the Colts go and take a guy at 34, I'm not going to be shocked, but overall kind of the vibes that I've gotten from the Colts organization and from these moves, they all signal we're ready to compete now. So let's build around this quarterback and let's see what we can do this year. Yeah. I I think you brought up tight end. I, I'm just going to come out and say I, I really hate the tight end class this year. It's one of the worst position groups I've watched. I would love for them to be able to address it at 44. I think Komet would be the guy. I think you're 100% correct that he's probably the one who I would put in the conversation. I just think, like I've said, with 44, I think it's one where you could move up and try and get a, a best player available type situation. But I think, like you said, they're in win-now mode, but I still don't think with positional value that tight end at 44 would be the right move. But I don't trust Mo Ali, Mo Ali Cox at this point. I think we, we've seen him have a, some post uh, off-season hype at certain points throughout his career. I think they do. Jack Doyle, you don't, especially with Philip Rivers, Hunter Henry, Antonio Gates. He's used tight ends in the past. They need to address that position. I think 75, though, is the sweet spot to take a tight end. I think that is where you're going to get good value because 
it's what certain teams do at some points is they take the best player available. And I totally understand that logic. But at some points, you have such a glaring need that you need to address it. And we've talked about the Cowboys, the Eagles trade up, take Dallas Goddard, the pick before the Cowboys, and they haven't had a tight end since because you're, you, you value a certain player. And yes, there are lesser guys who might not have that same value. And do I think that any tight end has the value of a Jalen Johnson? Absolutely not. If they reach that tight end at 44, would I like it? No. Would I hate it? I, I can't be mad because, like you said, they're in win-now mode. And you, they do have a glaring hole at that mm-hmm. tight end position alongside Jack Doyle. I think Komet could be the option. Love Adam Troutman to just take the best tight end, in my opinion, uh, on the board. I think he's great. Bryson Hopkins, if you want, he's not going to add much in terms of blocking. But if you want a guy who has flashed on tape, and is an interesting prospect. He's really good, but I think like a Hunter Bryant, who had a decently bad combine, is going to drop a lot. I think Harrison Bryant is going to drop. He was a really good player from Florida Atlantic who actually played fantastic at the Senior Bowl. I think there's certain tight ends who I like. I just think at 44, you might be able to get just a best player available and then address it at 75 based on the film I've watched. But I wouldn't be shocked if Ballard goes, let's get Rivers two weapons in round two, whether it be two receivers, a wide receiver, and a tight end, one of those two combinations. Yeah. Um, who are some mid-round, mid-round guys guy. that you think, you know, the Colts had a guy last year, Kari Willis, they drafted oh. in the fourth round of the Michigan State, turned out to be arguably one of their best offenders. Who are some mid-round guys that could maybe – kind of mimic what Carter did last year with the Colts. Um, some guys that could surprise and challenge for some playing time on this Colts team, you know, not just for the near future, but like even this year. So there's certain positions that I think like quarterback, I, I think nobody's, you're not getting any guys of value mid round day three. I think you just have to come. Yeah. Gardner Minshew. Guys like that happen, but you, you, I never am comfortable based off the film I watch with ever having a guy like a Gardner Minshew. All right, he's going to be a starter. So I think quarterback, you don't get that. They're not addressing running back. Wide receiver, I think there's – I mean, you go down the list of wide receivers who I think that you can get fourth round, potentially 75, wherever you feel is comfortable – for drafting a wide receiver, I think that the wide receiver class this year is fantastic. Van Jefferson is a guy I love. I think Van Jefferson, father was a wide receiver coach, fantastic route runner, a guy who is going to get open. That's what Van Jefferson does. Older guy in the class, that doesn't bother me, though. I really like him. Lynn Bowden, another receiver who I love. Michael Pittman, I think he was fantastic. My favorite, K.J. Hill, though. I think he is a really talented player and someone who I think is just going to be able to get open. Like I said with Van Jefferson, that's a huge aspect. Being able to get open is something that teams don't value as much. If you can get the ball out quickly, Rivers isn't going to be able to throw the ball 65, 70 yards like Patrick Mahomes, especially at his age. He's just not going to. And I know the Colts have a fantastic offensive line, but get the ball in your playmakers. I think K.J. Hill comes in whatever team drafts him. I think we look back on this in five years and we're like, why wasn't he a second-round pick? 
and he's just going to fall. That's just what's going to happen in this wide receiver class. Sleeper wide receiver, day three, a guy who I interviewed really liked him, Isaiah Coulter, Rhode Island wide receiver. I think he's fantastic. And we want to get deep sleeper from Morgan State, Manasseh Bailey. He's a wide receiver who I really like, a guy who can take the top off the defense, really shine in his bowl game. And I, I think that he's someone who could be an option. I did. I love Troutman. He's not like, he's a mid round guy. If we're going to be talking about those types of players who I think can come on, but he could be the first tight end taken off the board just because of things of that nature. I think for offensive tackle, I think guard tackle, I'll put him in that quarterback category, Jack Driscoll. I don't know if the Colts would want to address him on day three. East West Shrine Bowl didn't get a senior bowl invite, which I, I thought he was good enough. I think he was better than Charlie Heck, a few of the other guys. I really like Jack Driscoll. Danny Pinter as well from Ball State, another interior offensive lineman. He'll play guard. I think Driscoll and Danny Pinter are my two offensive linemen who I think if the Colts aren't comfortable with Glowinski and want to address guard or just want to address tackle and potentially move Braden Smith inside. I think those, those are two guys who they could potentially go after defensively an edge rusher who I know that they're pretty much set on the defensive line, but a guy who I love Khalid Kareem from most, every offensive tackle who I spoke to who played Notre Dame, they said, you got to watch out for that number 53. He was giving me fifth all game. For some reason, he's draft boards have him around the 15 to 20 range for edge rushers. I think he's fantastic. I really like Khalid Kareem. Was injured. Didn't get to play in the senior bowl, but was there. High character player. Travis Gibson, day three, edge rusher from Tulsa. Had a chance to interview a really good guy, great personality, has all the traits, doesn't have a ton of pass rush moves, but I think Travis Gibson on day three, what you need now in an edge rusher, you see the top guys. They all have physical traits that you just can't teach. You can't teach these traits that edge rushers have, which is why most of the top edge rushers are top 10, top 15 picks. It's one of those positions that a guy can bend, he's faster, bigger, stronger, he can get after the quarterback. Travis Gibson has those, and he's going to be a day three pick from Tulsa. He's just raw. So I think defensive end-wise, Khalid Kareem and Travis Gibson are their two guys. I don't know where Kareem goes, just based on the fact that I've heard some teams are higher on than him than others. But if, he lands, if he's available day three and he starts falling, I definitely think he's a guy. Now, for interior defensive line, I think when you think about the Colts and their 4-3 defense, I think a guy like McTelvin Ajim, he's a guy who I love. James Lynch is my favorite interior defensive lineman in the entire class. From Baylor, 13 and a half sacks last season. I have no idea why he's not considered a second round pick right now. I think he ends up being a, he could be a guy who goes in the second round who are confused on why he was so low on people's draft boards going in. And I think Ajim, James Lynch, I think Lynch can get after the quarterback. He's one of those players, really productive in college. People didn't expect him to come out. Matt Rule leaves Baylor. He comes out as well. He's really productive. And then Khalil Davis, 
who dominated the East-West Shrine Bowl, dominated the Combine, doesn't have fantastic tape, tape, but I think if he's available day three, he could be a guy. So I think those are the three guys. Ajib, East-West Shrine Bowl, really did, played well. Khalil Davis as well. And then James Lynch, who, if he falls to 75, which I don't think he will, I think he'll go higher, but mock drafts and draft boards have him around that range. I think you've got to jump on him for a best player available. Linebacker, this is a really bad linebacker class. It's not one where I've got, like, I love Willie Gay Jr. There's a few character concerns that people might avoid, which is why he could fall. The guy who I think Ballard will love, Davion Taylor, really unique story. He's a guy who came into Colorado having played Juco beforehand, having played, I believe, one high school game, had the chance to interview a great kid for religious reasons. Mom didn't let him let him play football because it was Saturday. They have rest for them. He comes in there at Colorado, and he's an athletic freak. He's someone who, not, not necessarily saying he could be a Darius letter type in the future, but he has the traits to be a really good player. He's going to be available day three. He's raw. He's like a Travis Gibson type who I mentioned earlier, the Tulsa edge rusher. You're going to get guys day three who haven't had the coaching or training. And when you think about it, he hasn't played football his entire life. Most of these players, you think about it, have been playing since day one. TV football, high school football. He didn't start basically till college. He has the tools, I think. If he has the right coaching, he could be a home run on day three. Cornerback-wise, I think this is a fantastic cornerback class. I said if Jalen Johnson's there at 42, address it. If you think you can get one of Mims, Rager, Chenault, or Ayuk at 44, and then you can draft a guy at 34 who is like a Jalen Johnson, go for it. But I think this cornerback class, my favorite, and someone who – I don't see the Colts drafting him necessarily because Kenny Moore is so good, but I think Amik Robertson, the only reason he's going to go day three, potentially, I've spoken to people who think he's a day two player inside the league, so I don't know if he lasts to a third, fourth round type player like Willis, but I think Amik Robertson is a fantastic player. Louisiana Tech slot cornerback nickel guy you put on his tape against texas you watch him against colin johnson the 6-4 wide receiver and he's in his face at the line of scrimmage pushing him backwards this guy if he was six feet tall he'd be a first round pick but he's not i mean which is why i think he could be a great value early day three they're not necessarily addressing the cornerback position but i think that he's an absolute stud and will be a steal for whoever gets him another tulsa player who i love Reggie Robinson, late senior bowl invite, a guy who wasn't on my radar to start the season, wasn't on a lot of people's radars. Really good talent. Off the field, when you watch his film, he's a lot better than his ranking is. He didn't play that well at the senior bowl, but day three, you're looking for traits. Day one and day two, you're looking for guys who you think can make an impact, an immediate impact. Day three, you don't draft the guy who started two years at a big-time program 
pretty mediocre athlete, pretty mediocre tape, know what you're going to get with them. And most of those guys don't end up making it. You're going to hit or miss on day three. If you can get one hit for every however many misses, you'll take it. I mean, most day three guys don't end up contributing that much. So if you can get a Davian Taylor, who's only played football for four years, the linebacker I mentioned, or a Travis Gibson, who has a lot of the traits you want and a lot of the tools, physical measurements, but just hasn't had that training and that coaching to be an elite level player. I think these are all guys. And then finishing it off with safety, I think the safety class, it's really unique. Uh, from what I've heard, Del Pitt is not going to be a first round pick. That he, the tackling issues, people really don't like his film. And I, who would have thought when I was starting interviewing guys in July that the Del Pitt at the time was considered maybe the best player in the entire draft class would now potentially be going behind a kid from Southern Illinois and another one from Lenore Ryan. But I think it's a real possibility that Delpit ends up being a guy who drops. Safety-wise, I think there's a lot of really talented players. Terrell Burgess, fantastic character, great guy. Kevon Wallace, Clemson and Utah, big-time program. Terrell Burgess, unique story in that he was on no one's radar coming to the season, really broke out as a senior, played really well at the Senior Bowl, dominated all year, great character kid. I see him as a mid-round guy who a lot of people are going to like, and he's going to be a great value. Same with Kevon Wallace, Clemson guy. Not a five-star, believe three-star recruit. You get on the phone with him, and he's a fantastic player, really smart, can really depict what's going on throughout the play. He's not Isaiah Simmons athletically, but he's just a solid player who's going to be a value for someone. I think those two guys, are really good players in the mid-rounds. I don't love day three for the safeties. I think Geno Stone from Iowa is a guy who I like. But I just think overall, when I look at this draft class, there's a lot of good value. There's a lot of good value players. I think the one really deep sleeper, Cam Klein from South Dakota, the edge rusher, had meetings with, I believe, over 30 or a 31 team. They love him. South Dakota edge rusher. He's an undrafted potential guy. Don't know if he'll get drafted. I think he ends up making it. I really, I like this class a lot. I think top end talent, it's way better than last year. I think when you look at each year, when past the season, Barkley, Quinn, and Nelson, who the Colts really smart taking him at six. Barkley, Quinn, Nelson, Bradley Chubb. Sure fire talent. I think last year, everyone considered Nick Bosa, Quinn and Williams, they're the surefire guys. This year, I mean, you could throw Derek Brown. You, I think you can throw Kinlaw, two defensive tackles. I think Chase Young. I also believe Jeffrey Okuda. This offensive tackle class, recently, I think the more film I watched, these top four guys, Andrew Thomas is the, considered the fourth and probably ends up going fourth. I think as a sophomore, his film, just watching it over the summer, was better than every offensive tackle from last year's draft and he's going to be the fourth that's how good this tackle class is Jedrick Wills plugging and play superstar Mekhi Becton has a chance to be the best offensive tackle in the NFL with his traits and how good he was and then Tristan Wirfs as well I think 
he could be the fourth pick as high as the fourth pick in the draft. And he's a really talented guy. So I think this is a unique year with the coronavirus. And I think a lot of teams will be trading up. And I think it's smart because there's a lot of really talented players. Yeah. Um, so real quick, before I let you go, that was a lot of great info. I'm sure our listeners will be playing it back to try to hear all your guys come uh, draft day. So uh, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about, though, um, who are some, you know, maybe you can give me like your top five most overrated players that you think the Colts should stay away from. Again, the Colts don't have a first round pick, but who are your top five overrated players in this draft? All right. So I mentioned him before, Grant Delpit. I think he's really overrated in the fact that you watch his film, he can't tackle. People say he was injured. I think he will be there at 34. I think Malik Hooker is your your deep your deep free safety, so I don't think you have to deal with that. But Delpit, he's got range. He's got a lot of range. But I think that Delpit, his tackling woes are really concerning. I think quarterback-wise, I think Jake Fromm is a – People are going to say he's a second, third round talent. I, I, I remember early on in the process, you looked at mock draft from August. It was Jake Fromm is a top 10 pick. Why is he? Well, he's won a lot and he beat out Jacob Eason and Justin Fields. He, that's not necessarily the case. Eason was the starting quarterback, got hurt. Then we get Fromm who comes in and plays really well. How are you going to go back to Ethan, who is just a freshman? So you have that, and then you have the other idea where Justin Fields, he's he had a ton of success in college. Jake Fromm was a great college quarterback. I don't see anything that moves the needle. I gave him a fourth-round grade coming into the season. I, he did nothing that would make me think he's more than a mid-date and three pick, who I think has the upside to be a spot starter, but he, there's nothing about him. I'm when I watch this film, there's nothing about him that says starting quarterback in the NFL. I think when you take away the win and you don't look at the score at any point, he had games this year when he was throwing for barely a hundred yards. And he, yeah, he's a good college game manager, but I don't see how that translates. Sticking with quarterbacks, Jacob Eason. I don't, Jacob Eason, as well as Fromm, I think if you take away all the, if you made him a three-star recruit, you go on ESPN and Jacob Eason, the 600th best player in the country, he would be on no one's draft board. I think it's the fact that he was a five-star guy, has a live arm. He can't play under pressure. He was terrible under pressure when watching his film. One-year starter, terrible under pressure, really inaccurate. Those three things don't usually combine from a starter. I mean, quarterbacks that we see nowadays you can get away with a lesser arm if you're accurate, able to go work outside of structure, play under pressure. And Eason is the exact opposite. He's in that Josh Allen realm. And I think Allen, I think, yes, you won a lot of games, but you see the flaws. And Allen, I thought, on the film was a lot better. And people were still concerned about him. Running back-wise, I don't really have any guys who I think are overrated or underrated. Just, I think, based off of watching... Film over the past few years, there's so many good running backs. Colts do a really good job of not drafting running backs super high. And, and when we think about it, Naeem Hines, Marlon Mack, Jordan Wilkins, even picked up Jordan Williams, too. I mean, there's so many guys out there. You don't need to draft one in the first round. So I don't see anyone who I'm like, all right, stay away. 
top four guys are great. Love Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the fourth best one in the entire draft class. Wide receiver wise, I'd avoid T. Higgins. I, I know that's someone who people have mocked really high, especially at 34. Do I think at 75 he's a good value? Yes. Do I see him getting there? I don't know. I think Tyler Johnson's a fan favorite, especially on Twitter. A lot of people like him. I don't see anything more than a sixth, seventh round pick. And I think people sometimes have him too high. I think those are the two receivers. Tight ends, I think no one really values one super high. I think Becton on film is the fourth best tackle in this draft. And he'll probably, I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants took him at four, but his potential makes him worth it. Interior offensive line, I know we didn't really touch on that. I wouldn't, Tyler Biedak, a guy who I don't know if I said that right, but he's one who came into the year as a consensus top 15 pick. I think at this point, watching his film, he's really just unathletic and he got beat a lot this past season. I know he's still mocked decently high, but people are going to continue to drop him, especially in this class. I, I really don't think that he adds much value. Edge rusher wise, Caleb on Chason, I think, is a guy who people are off and on about him. I know the Colts don't – it doesn't really matter matter for them because he's going to be off the board. I really like him. He's someone who people – Yator Gross Matos or A.J. Epineza, I'd probably avoid them just because I know Gross Matos had the trait, but his on-field production wasn't fantastic. I think Epineza, on-field production – I had him ranked above Chase Young coming into the season, thinking that this kid was going to blow it up in his first full year as a starter. Came on towards the end of the year, but then had an awful combine. I really think that he's being overvalued. I think the interior defensive line group, Neville Gallimore would be a guy who I don't necessarily love. I think he's a little bit overrated. Linebacker-wise, Kenneth Murray, I, I, I don't see the first-round hype with him. I think if he's available at 34, out of potentially adding a fourth linebacker, I know we don't really ever talk about that, but he might be the best player available. We really don't get the first-round hype with him. Cornerback-wise, the more I watch C.J. Henderson, the more I like him. I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm too fond of Trevon Diggs. Don't love Christian Fulton. I think but really, when I look at overrated, it's kind of hard to distinguish All right, who are these guys who people have ranked high. I might not think they're going to be ranked high. And then they don't go high or they go higher than I think. I think it's one of those things. Draft day determines a lot. But I think with the quarterbacks, I didn't mention Jalen Hurts. He's someone who I think towards over the course of the season, he was getting first round height beginning, first round, first round. And I really just don't see it. I actually don't dislike him, but I think he's no more than a a backup. You watch his senior bowl film. He's not very good. I think the top four quarterbacks, I like all of them. Here's all right. So Delpit, I think, is one you got to put in there. I'll put Gross Matos as another one. T. Higgins. I think when we look at this cornerback class, I'll put Trevon Diggs. And then... I personally think when we're putting Tua Tagovailoa as the number two quarterback and potential third pick in the draft, I consider that to be a reach overrated in the fact that the best ability is availability. And Tua, who has had 
unlike Joe Burrow, people believe had like the best offensive line in college football. Lloyd Cushenberry, who I guess you can throw the in the overrated. I think he had a great senior bowl, really struggled on film. Their right tackle got beat a lot. Left tackle Sadiq Charles, who declared as someone who also got beat. So I, I think Burrow, we saw this capability, how he has phenomenal accuracy. And, I mean, he was able to stand up straight. Two, on the other hand, when you look at his offensive line, Jedrick Wills, best right tackle in the country, Alex Leatherwood, those struggled at times. Fantastic. Their interior was great. Landon Dickerson, Evan Neal were both fantastic. Deontay Brown, also great. You have that offensive line, and you can't stay healthy, injured against LSU, and I think the hip probably just being hurt in general when in their next game when he got hurt there, injuring his hip against Mississippi State. I think it's all one of those situations where he, he, him staying healthy the past two seasons, he hasn't been able to with fantastic offensive lines where he's not under pressure. I think though he played fewer snaps than every other quarterback in this year's draft class this past season, I believe. I mean, we look at the amount of times he was pressured. It was by far the lowest. He's not under pressure. It's not like he's running for his life out there and he's getting hurt that way. He's just getting hurt. And at a quarterback position where, personally, what I, I think is the most valuable thing is availability. If you're not on the field, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you're getting hurt every year. I mean, we saw this with, uh, sorry to bring it up, Andrew Luck, the idea of availability. Obviously, that wasn't because of where he was at in college as he was healthy there. But you get to the NFL, the offensive line, Miami's offensive line, yeah, you added Eric Flowers. It's just still awful. He's going to be running for his life out there. They don't have a elite level running back or elite level receivers who are going to be able to bail them out every play. I just don't understand. I just don't can't get on board. I look. I mean, he, he's talented. He's one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in recent memory. But I think quarterback like that who's gotten hurt and you're going to trade up to three to take him. It's just especially with the offensive line play, which is awful in the NFL and we saw him never get really pressured at the collegiate level it's just one of those things where I'd consider him to be an overrated prospect because medicals are an important thing I I think there's a lot of NFL talents a lot of first round caliber players who never pan out because of injuries and so that that is an important factor we tend to be like all right player and medicals are separate but we see a lot of guys who fall in the draft because of medicals and they never pan out because of those. And he's going to probably end up going three to whoever trades up or maybe even two. You never know what happened. And it's just one of those things where I just personally can't get on board with drafting a guy who's been injured the past two seasons and had that talent around him. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, Jack. Uh, lots of good info there. I'm sure fans will be eating this stuff up, especially the draft junkies out there who will be listening to this. Um, before I let you go here, where can people find kind of your work, your podcast and all that stuff? Yeah. So my Twitter um, at the gridiron underscore NFL, I do a lot of content based stuff about the draft and you can find my podcast at Inside the Gridiron on Apple Podcasts, as well as Inside the NFL Prospects. If you want to hear interviews from this year's draft, we've already started for next year's draft, trying to get ahead there. So Inside the Gridiron and Inside the NFL Prospects is where you can find us on Apple Podcasts. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. This is a lot of fun, a lot of good info, a lot of good draft insight. So I'm sure our listeners will love that. Uh, and thank you, man, for, for willing to come on here and uh, just talk a little bit about the Colts, talk a little about the NFL draft. Yeah, no, appreciate it. Thanks, Cody. Yep. Take care, man.